Welcome to Prayer Storm Podcast. We trust that it will be a blessing to you and that it will stir you and equip you to be all God calls you to be. I'm going to share a few things right now that give some context to today and what we're going to be doing over the next few hours. Um, this is not your typical type of meeting. We're here for six hours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I know some people struggle with that, but in all the years we've done this, honestly, it goes so quick. Um, and I'm often very concerned about not just prayers going on, but the quality of the prayers that are going on. Uh, because it's one thing to have the power of God is another thing to have power with God. Not many people have power with God. In fact, far more people have the power of God working through them, even as believers, than they than there are people who have power with God. What do I mean by power with God? When I say power with God, it means your words carry weight in heaven. Abraham had power with God. Elijah had power with God. Moses had power with God. Daniel had power with God. And all these people were not just prophetic voices in their generation. They were intercessors. And they were able to speak to the heart of God and things shift not just in the heart of God but over the nation I don't know about you but I don't just want to waste my time just babbling I want to have power with God and God has certain conditions he wants us to meet if our prayers are gonna affect the kind of change that he desires and so I want to share a few things with you today that I believe are necessary for us to be effective in the rest of the day and then we're going to have some ministry time. We're going to have some prayer time. Um, I believe it's Psalm 66, uh, uh, 18, says something along the lines of, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's a powerful verse. And many of us as prayer people, we know the scripture of 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face. You know the scripture. It says, I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal the land. But there's a condition on his hearing. It says, if my people will do a few things, you know, and it says, then I will hear. It says, humble themselves. By the way, we're doing that today because in scripture, to fast is also synonymous with humbling yourself before God. In the Old Testament, they will humble themselves before God in fasting. So it might be all who fast and pray we're doing that today and seek my face so we're not just seeking the hands of god and this is where a lot of us tend to get it wrong even in the church we're more concerned about god fulfilling our agenda than aligning ourselves with his agenda have you noticed the lord prayer does the lord's prayer the prayer we call the lord's prayer that's actually the disciples prayer you know uh it says our father who art in heaven you read the first part of the lord's prayer it has nothing to do with you our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come, your will be done. It's all about him, him, him. Then the next part is, you know, give us this day, us this day. Forgive us, are you hearing me? 
It's like, the, it, it's a picture of how God, I believe, wants us to relate with him. We come before him and we want to come on his terms. His agenda is what takes priority. So if we want to be praying effectively, we need to find out what God's agenda is and align ourselves to his agenda. And when we make his priority our priority, he makes our priority his priority. That's why it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. I don't really think we believe that because the way our prayer lives are focused does not seem like we believe that other things will be added as we seek him first. We have all these other things, and they're not wrong necessarily, but they take priority. They take first place. And it's like, I want to be first place. Let my agenda be first place. So for us to be able to be effective in our prayers and have power with God, we have to pray on His terms. We have to be on His agenda. We can't just come and just babble words, and because we've gathered together, we think we're going to be effective because there's a few of us in this room, you know, and we're going to release the shout, and it's going to be effective. No, there are lots of shouts going on that have no spiritual power to shift atmospheres. Because Jesus says, the word I speak to you, their spirit and their life. So Jesus was saying, the words I'm speaking to you are not just words you're hearing with your ears, there is another thing going on behind those words. There is a spiritual force and spiritual substance behind the words that Jesus spoke, such that when he spoke the words, a lot more was going on than what people actually heard of their natural ears. There was something going on in the realm of the spirit. So two people can release a shout. One person releases a shout like, yes, nothing happens. Next person releases a shout, yes, and demons just fly away and they're scared. And the kingdom of God is advancing. And it's not even so much about the words they're saying. It's the spirit that they carry because they're on God's terms, aligned with God's agenda. So everything they release through them is a rebuke to the enemy. Are you hearing me today? Spiritual warfare is not always about rebuking the devil everywhere. When you live on God's terms and you walk in holiness, your life, becomes a rebuke to the devil. So you don't have to rebuke him with your words to rebuke him. When you walk into a room, he begins to feel uncomfortable because you're there. Sometimes, some of you go into your office and you go into work, you go to the supermarket, and you find that somebody is for no reason just horrible to you. Have you ever considered that it may be that the presence you're carrying is agitating their demons? So maybe it's not about you, but it's about something else going on in the realm of the spirit. Because when you live right with God, there's a lot of warfare going on around you that sometimes you have no idea about. But everywhere you step into, the kingdom is advancing. Everywhere you step into, the kingdom is moving on. Because you're God's agent. And your life aligned with him means you have power with him. So you step into a place, it's like he's stepping into the place. Are you hearing me today? I'm going to read from Acts 12, very few verses there. And then we're going to go into some ministry time. Um, it is a well-known passage. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just a few verses. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. When, then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Because he saw that pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested them, he put them in prison and delivered him, delivered Peter, to four squad of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Verse 5 of Acts 12. 
Then Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer. Everyone say constant prayer. Say that again. Say constant prayer. Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. When Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guard before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and the light shone in the prison. He struck Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, arise quickly. And his chains fell off. I'm going to stop there. The story goes on. Peter gets out of prison and uh, he goes and connects with the church that's praying. And they're amazed at this miracle. And basically, he just gets sent off to another assignment. Uh, this is an incredible, incredible move of God. And uh, when we read about things in the book of Acts, I want to remind you that uh, it's not just a story from years past that we just think about, oh yeah, God, thank you for that. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't it amazing that when, uh, I've never read this part of the story, but when the, uh, the, when the angel set Peter free and he got to the house, and uh, he knocked on the door, and a lady came out, Rhoda, and she, she didn't come out. She looked at him and went back to the church and said, oh, Peter at the door. They didn't believe her, but this is what they said. They said, oh, it's his angel. I don't know about you, but that amazes me. Because if I were to say to you right now, there is an angel outside, probably half of you want to go and see the angel. Right? It's like, an angel? The church are praying, and they say, oh, it's his angel. Ignore that. Let's carry on praying. Because it tells us that they were so used to angelic activities. It wasn't unusual for them, for an angel, to be engaging with them in that way. And that's just incredible. That's a picture of the kind of, the grace that the early church was moving in. And the early church, I always say this, the early church had less than we do in the 21st century church. They had less, but they had more impact. We have more, and somehow we're having less impact. I think we need to readjust some things in our lifestyles and our thinking to come onto God's agenda. And I believe we're going to see the impact we need to see when we align ourselves with his agenda. So here you have a guy called Herod. He is intimidating the people of God. And he has taken James, an apostle, has bound him, and killed him. Kills James, the apostle, and this way he realizes, the moment he kills James, he sees that his popularity soars with the people. So he's like, wow. When he kills James, his Instagram followers went from 5,000 to 5 million. Any politician is going to take notice of that. When he took an action in the natural, he realized there was an impact that was coming upon his whole career and his whole kind of... Uh, life philosophy. He just wanted the people to like him. So because he saw that killing James increased his following and his liking on the masses, do you know what he goes on to do? He goes on to seize Peter because he's thinking to himself, if I killed James and so many people like me more, what would happen if I kill Peter also? So what is driving Herod is a desire to be popular with the masses. The desire to be popular with the masses is driving Herod to kill the apostolic expression of the faith in that generation. That is a picture of what is going on with many of our churches today. The desire to be popular with the masses is causing believers to kill the apostolic expression of the faith. 
As long as we live our life based on their opinion, we're going to keep watering down the gospel. And I want to announce to you today that the Bible will never be politically correct. I'm going to say that one more time. The Bible will never be politically correct. It doesn't matter who is in government. You know, laws change and society changes, but the Word of God never changes. And 21st century Christians need to be aware that we will be mocked and we will be laughed at. But what, what do you care about, their opinion or his opinion? Because I'm not just concerned about people liking me. I want to get up and pray and demons shake. Hell is in confusion and heaven is releasing the angels of God. All because I am in alignment with him and I care about his opinion. If I care about that, there are times where I will not be popular with people. Now, the driving force behind my preaching and my teaching is not to be a bigot and horrible to people, but I've got to realize that if I'm going to stand for what Jesus really says, people are not going to like me. Are you okay with that? Because if you're not okay with that, you're going to be driven by this political spirit. Always just trying to please people. I remember once I was in a meeting. It was a funny meeting, actually. A friend of mine said to me, James, I want to raise some money for prayer storm, and I think it would be good if I organize a business meeting. So I thought, great. So he organized this meeting. There was all these wealthy people. I'm sure they were all millionaires around the table. And it was probably maybe 20 to 30 of them. It was this massive table, went to this fancy place, sat down. So he, we had this meal, and he got up and he shared about what he does, trafficking and all this stuff. And he sat down. And he says, you know, one of my friend James to share a bit about what he does. In my mind, I'm thinking, I don't even know if these people are Christians. I don't know how to explain what Preston is. So I thought about what he shared, and I tried to make a connection in terms of trafficking being a social problem. But actually, there's a deeper problem, which is a spiritual problem. And my encounter with God, how God changed me and how prayer changed. So I kind of came from that dimension and just explained what Preston is in a context where a non-believer might understand what we're trying to do. So I did that, sat down. You won't believe what happened next. One of the guys got up, well, he didn't get up. He just, he said to my friend next to me, he said, hey, thank you for sharing about what you shared. I kind of get what you said there. And then he looked at me and said, but you have offended me. This is what he says. He says, how dare you imply I'm not Christian? And in that moment, I'm like, beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> God, get me out of this place. This is a bad dream. I need to wake up right now. I looked at my friend, I'm like, did I say anything? And he's like, no, you didn't say anything. Now, this guy got so annoyed, the people around him are trying to calm him down. This is how the meeting ended. <laughs> so I am standing going, oh, Lord, I've messed this up. Lord, I'm sorry. I've embarrassed you, Lord. And I'm just feeling so horrible. I just want to get out of the room and go home and just crawl in a corner. And all of a sudden, I have a revelation, and that revelation shifts me from a place of being so cowardly and into a place of being excited and rejoicing. Because God showed me that when I was speaking, there was a clash of kingdoms going on. And I wasn't trying to be convicting, but the Holy Spirit was going on my words, convicting this guy. And then I had a revelation. When Peter spoke on the day of Pentecost, do you know what happened? Conviction came on the people. And the Bible says they were caught to the heart. And then they said to, to Peter and the disciples, what shall we do to be saved? But do you remember what happened when, Peter, uh, when Stephen preached? He says, they were also cut to the heart. That is conviction. Do you know what they did? They picked up stones, and they stoned him to death. On one hand, 
a preacher preaches and people say, oh, I want to get saved. On the other hand, he preaches and people get mad. Do you realize conviction can have a manifestation of anger in people? So if you're getting mad right now as I'm speaking, <laughs> there might be something else going on, okay? I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to offend you, but maybe God is offending your flesh to reveal your heart. He's trying to stir some things in you. So after I had that revelation, I was like, okay, Lord, I'm just ready to say whatever you've called me to say. And sometimes I say some incredibly bold things. My wife would tell you, after the meeting, I, we're, we're kind of just talking about what's happened. And I said, but I can't believe I said that. <laughs> but I can feel the boldness of God to say certain things that I know many people don't want to say. And you might be hearing some of that in a few moments. So buckle your seatbelts. It's about to get intense. <laughs> Peter is put in prison. He's about to be killed. There are things I see in the life of Peter, I believe, connect to where the church is right now in the nation. But also, not just the church, but a sense of where the nation is at, the United Kingdom. Some time ago, I was spending time praying, and the Lord highlighted Peter to me. And it was like, I wasn't even praying for the nation. I felt like God was saying to me, Peter represents the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom have, has an apostolic calling on it to impact the nations of the earth. There is an anointing that God has placed on this nation. And I want to say to you white people here, God has not forgotten the sacrifice of your forefathers. Now, I know some terrible things were done in the name of God, but there are some people that went out in the name of God with right hearts, and they were willing to die for the gospel. If they left these shores with a desire to die for the gospel, I think it is a disgrace for me to come to this nation with a desire just to have my own way. Let me put it this way. If they left with a desire to die and okay with it, I think it's a disgrace for me to come with just the desire to live. Uh-oh. Many people coming from other nations, especially Christians, they don't realize they're being set up by God as in sending them here. And some of them come here with the offenses. Oh, yeah, the white people did this. They did. So they come here with all that baggage. Do you not realize what some of your people did to those missionaries that went over there? They massacred some of them to death. And because of their sacrifice, we can stand here today. I'm not here to say everything is great about what happened through the British Empire. But I'm here to say there is an anointing that God placed on this nation. And it may have been, in fact, it was abused in some ways, but there is still a redemptive purpose and a, and a purity and a calling on this land. And right now, the land is lacking leadership, strong leadership in the right direction. So there's all confusion. And you see that as leaders begin to rise up, people begin by, yeah, I'm going to follow that. Because there is a unique calling on this nation to stand out and be different. Stand out from the crowd. So I want to break off of you any sense of shame in who you are as a British person. Are you hearing me today? God has called you. He, he purposed before you were born that you be born into this nation. And you'll be born under this grace he's put on this nation to be an apostolic nation that's impacting the nations of the earth. So guess what? You're carrying, as a British person, you're carrying a DNA that cannot be tame. So don't tell me the British are conservative and quiet. 
Because I see you at the football games. It's not in your DNA to just be, oh yeah, calm, cool, collected. Because in the football games, you're not calm, cool, and collected. You're crazy about football and whatever else you're crazy. And you can see the passion. That's because it's there in you. Why not release it for the righteous purpose of advancing God's kingdom? Why does a football team need to have more of your passion than Jesus who created you? The footballer will never pay your bills or heal you. He will never do anything for you. And why should he have more of your passion? I believe the Lord is wanting to call this nation back to his redemptive calling, its anointing as an, as an apostolic nation. That's what I'm about to say. That's what I'm going to say what I'm about to say right now. I believe there's still yet to be another great missions movement coming out from the British shores, even greater than the one that, that, that went in years past where many of them went out with their coffins. How can God forget their sacrifice? They went out with their coffins and they died for the gospel. I don't know how many of you Nigerians here heard of Mary Slessor. Some of these people, they went in the culture, they lived, they ate the food, and, and they just wanted to reach the people. And I see myself as a black person in this nation, as a missionary to see change in the life of the British people. Are you hearing me today? I'm not here just for my own agenda, to have a nice ministry. I'm here to see a move of God in the land. And this message is kind of twofold. The black people, I know you're born in the UK and you, call, you have a British passport, that's great. But I'm saying, the white people in this nation, there is something that God has placed on you. I can say some of these things because I'm married to a white person. And some, in fact, white people will probably never say what I'm saying right now. So I have authority to say this. Okay, I'm married to this nation. For the black people, God's saying to you, you're not just here to mind your own business and stay in your corner, you're here to affect the nation. For the white people, he's saying, you need to realize who you are. Stop trying to take on all the identities of all the other nations while you forget your own British anointed God-called identity because you're trying to just please everybody else. All this political correctness and all this, are you hearing me today? There's something that God wants to raise up in the DNA of the, of the nation and I believe it's going to be like, unlike anything we've ever seen before. So the apostles were kept in prison. Peter, being an apostle, sorry, he was kept in prison. He was asleep. He was in chains. Okay? He was bound, asleep, and in chains. I think I just, I just repeared the same thing twice there. The three things I'm trying to say, he was, yes, he was in prison, he was asleep, and he was in chains. Okay? He, everyone say he was in prison. He was asleep. And it was in chains. Okay. That is a picture of where things are at in the nation. Well, let's take that a step further about the church. Peter is also a picture of the church in the nation right now. In many ways, the church is in prison. Restricted. Not able to step out into his, its full calling. Not able to do everything God's called it to do because of whatever limitations that it's put on itself many times. Okay? In many ways, the church is not just in prison. The church is also in chains. Addictions. Compromise. And not just that. The church is not just in prison and chains. The church is also asleep. And people are going to church seemingly awake in the natural but actually spiritually asleep. And I love this quote. 
and the Lord gave me this revelation some years ago. When I first went to the ramp in 2007, you don't know you're asleep until you wake up. And some of you are here right now, you're asleep, but there's about to be an awakening. And I feel like my job is to be like one of those people that, you know that annoying alarm clock that you don't want to go off and it keeps going. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like an alarm clock in the body of Christ, a holy irritant to wake people up from their slumber. Because while you're asleep, the nation is being lost. But you have no idea that the deliverance of the nation is resting in your own room, in your own house, in your own being, and you're doing nothing what God's given you. So God's kingdom is not advancing. You're asking God to do all these things out there, but he's not doing it in you first. And God is wanting to wake up from your slumber. Can somebody shout, wake up? Sometimes I say that to myself when I pray. Lord, I choose to wake up right now. And the, re- the reality is, sometimes you don't know what you're, what you're asleep to in God until he wakes you up. And there are times where God places you around people that are awake to him in ways you're not to show you how asleep you are. Have you spent time around Christians that make you feel like you're not saved? Those are the Christians you need to hang around more often, as opposed to the ones that just fill fill you with all the junk of the world. You come away from them just thinking worldly things. You want to come away from people just feeling stirred to seek God more. You want feeling stirred to go deeper in prayer. Those are the kind of friends you need to get around you more often. Are you hearing me today? I believe there's going to be an awakening in this room today. Another thing I want to focus on, and we're going to touch on this, and when we get into ministry time is... There are chains that the Lord wants to break off of people in this room. You are, you are part of the body of Christ. You've submitted your life to Jesus, but you're in chains. And you're just stuck in these chains, and you're not able to be effective in anything God's called you to do. How can you break the chain off someone else when you yourself are bound? God wants to set you free. He says, he whom the Son says free is free in deed, is free in deeds, is free in actions, is free in reality, not just free in theological terms. And it seems to me like the 21st century church has come to a place of managing sin. So we take the cross of Jesus as a way to manage our dysfunctions. I want to announce to you the cross of Jesus is not about sin management, it's about sin eradication. And he came to set you free. That's why there are many people in the church today bound with addictions, pornography addictions, drug addictions, name them. And we are crying out that Jesus is our savior, our deliverer, but we ourselves are bound. We are like salesmen trying to sell a product with no experience ourselves. How can you convince somebody that Jesus can set them free? When you yourself have no experience, the power of Jesus on your life. And I'm tired of just nice preaching and nice singing. That's not breaking any chains. I want the fresh fire and the power of God that will begin to break the chains of addictions off of the people of God. It is time for real freedom. And I'm not saying this to condemn you. If you come here, you're stuck in any kind of addictions. I'm here to say to you that God's intention for you is not to manage that addiction. The cross of Jesus is not there to make you free to sin. It's there to make you free from sin. And the grace of God is not God lowering the standard because of the culture. 
because the culture is going to keep changing, but the standard doesn't change on the grace. On the grace, if you think a lustful thought, you're guilty of adultery. That's on the grace. But because we choose to say yes and amen to those words of Jesus, grace is also his empowerment to fulfill the very thing he's asked us to do. So when you see him rightly, empowerment is released to you to do what he's called you to do. It's not in your ability. It's his ability working through you. So grace is not God lowering the standard because of the culture. Grace is God empowering you through the cross to meet the standard. The standard of holiness. Want to have power with God? One key point, he's a holy God. And he's calling us to holiness. Living holy. Everyone say living holy. It may not be fashionable today. The message of holiness may not draw a crowd, but it would ultimately build the army of God. And we want the army of God to be built that's changing things in the nation. Then we need to adopt the mindset of holiness. When I talk about holiness, people think sometimes, legal, when I say legalistic, like rules and regulations and all these things. But actually, holiness is joyful. Listen, I'm the, I'm the guy preaching right now. I know what it is to be bound in addiction. But I know what it is to be free. And I would choose freedom any day. Because I understand what it is for God to set me free from things that have bound me. So I'm here as a testimony to you that you don't have to live with those chains anymore because you're called to break those chains off of other people. Maybe that's why the enemy is wanting to bind you before you bind him. So some of the struggles you are having, it could be a picture of some of the things you're called to change in the nation, in your community, in your family. Do not cohabit with the enemy you're called to evict. You cannot now start saying, well, I'm just going to let this be okay right now. No, God has called you to deal with that under his grace and authority. Don't agree with the enemy. Don't excuse sin. Don't just let it be, oh, yeah. You can, well, my other Christian friends do this. They all listen to this. They all dress like this. They all sleep around in this way. They all gossip in this way. The fact that they're all doing it doesn't mean you need to do it. How about we start living our lives according to the standard of Scripture as opposed to the standard of some of our churches? Are you hearing me today? Because if you start living your life according to the standard of the scripture, you know, you probably are going to look a bit different. The people of God who become of the world while in the world lose their authority to change the world. And God has called us to change the world. Everyone say, chains will be broken. Yeah. In the name of Jesus, we're declaring that. God wants to set people free from chains. And then the other thing is, being in prison, being in chains, being asleep. As this was going on, this, like I said, is a picture of different manifestations of the church, in prison, in chains, asleep. There was another manifestation of the church going on at the same time. And I got you to repeat the words when we are reading the scriptures a few moments ago. It's the church of constant prayer. Everyone say constant prayer. That was another manifestation of the church. Like someone said, you cannot worship and worry at the same time. When you get in the true fire of God, I mean the true fire of God, your chains cannot exist in that fire. They just melt. They just, get, they just, they just disintegrate. So 
we're praying earlier on about the fire of God, and it's going to come to, yeah, I say tonight, it's going to come today. As we, as we press deeper into God, I'm expecting a greater release of his fire. And those things that have been holding you down, they're just going to begin to just snap away. In fact, they're going to melt, and then they're going to become weapons that you're going to pick up to strike the enemy back. Are you hearing me? David killed Goliath with, his own, with Goliath's own sword. The very sword that was pointed against the people of God was now turned around to kill the enemy that was using the very same. Are you hearing me? The very thing the enemy has used to bind you, God is going to melt that way. It's going to become weapons in your hands to strike that enemy down. You're called to be a warrior. You are not called to be bound. But there is another church going on. This is the church of constant prayer. This church was able to pray not for five minutes, ten minutes, or one hour. This church was able to pray for hours on end. I don't know about you, but this challenges me. Because they weren't praying for a series of things on their prayer list. They didn't have 20 things on their prayer list. Okay, we're going to spend five minutes praying for uh, uh, this. We're going to spend another 10 minutes praying for this. They, they, they didn't kind of order their prayer list. They were just praying for one thing. How can you pray for one thing for hours? Now, I lead all the prayer meetings. And one thing I do realize is, if I were to say, everyone, let's pray right now, and I give the focus, maybe for the few, for the first few, it, it depends on how strong spiritually people are in the congregation. If it's a really strong congregation, we may have a bit of momentum in the first two, three minutes. And if it's a very weak congregation, maybe no one is even going to lift their voice and pray. By the way, Jesus says, when you pray, say. He didn't say, when you pray, think. Nothing wrong with thinking when you pray, because in my personal prayer times, I have times of waiting on God and being still, and that's a valid uh, expression in prayer. However, there's something about the words you speak out from your mouth. So when we come together like this, it's not time to be just quiet and say nothing. When you pray, when you pray, so these people met together to pray, and they, this is an intense prayer meeting, and they're not praying just for seven things. They're praying for one thing. And oftentimes when I go to churches and I say, well, let's pray, maybe for the first minute or two, there's a bit of momentum. But after a while, the momentum just dwindles. And then everyone just goes quiet, waiting for some sort of leadership or what to do next. But this church, we're able to push intensely, not for two minutes, for hours, just for one thing. Do you know what that tells me about the church? They had spiritual stamina. In the 21st century church, we have lost spiritual stamina because we are so used to feeding our flesh more than we are feeding our spirit. So our flesh, even in the church, is a lot of entertainment of flesh going on. Uh-oh. <laughs> a lot of even the things that we do on our platforms, they're just there to whip up people's flesh and emotions. Make them feel good for the moment. Make them feel like that. You know, now there's nothing wrong with encouragement. I'm not bashing encouragement, but you got to realize that the more you walk with God, the more you realize he's in the business of killing flesh. So if everything around you is just propping up your flesh, it's very likely your spirit is very weak. Because as your spirit begins to grow stronger, your flesh has to grow weaker. As you're feeding your spirit, your flesh... Uh, uh, its influence over your life begins to be reduced more and more because God wants to be able to get through you. 
So here you have the church of constant prayer being able to pray intensely because they were strong in spirit. And that is who God has called you to be. You're called to be a warrior. Not one that's worrying about problems. You're called to be a warrior. One that's advancing. One that's strong in the spirit. Are you hearing me today? So it's time for the warriors to arise. And I believe in this meeting, God wants to call some people into his army in a fresh way. I mean, you have, maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've just gone to meetings here and there, but you've not realized who God's called you to be. You're not called to be a wimp. You're called to be a warrior. You're called to advance the kingdom of God in prayer. Praying is not just for some people that have nothing else to do. You're called to seek God like never before. And when you pray, things begin to shift. When you pray, atmospheres begin to shift. People begin to be delivered. That's not something for some weird people over there. That's for you. Even in the West, sometimes I think fasting is for some weird people over there. No, fasting and prayer is for all of us. There is no such thing as a gift of intercession in the Bible or even a gift of prayer. If you've seen it, come and tell me so that I'll update my teaching. I have never seen a gift of prayer in the Bible. Everyone is called to do this. It's not for some special preacher on the platform. It's for all of us. But our spiritual stamina is so weak that is why we're giving in so easily to the things of the flesh. Jesus, I run up now. Jesus said to his disciples, pray, lest you fall into temptation. He didn't say, pray so that you avoid temptation. He said, pray, lest you fall. Pray, lest you, in other words, pray so that when the temptation comes, and it will, you don't fall. So the prayer that stops you from falling is not the prayer you do when the temptation is happening. It's the prayer you've been doing before the temptation came because that prayer was there to strengthen your spirit. So when the temptation came, you're able to say no because your spirit is stronger than your flesh. But many Christians are not able to resist because their flesh is so loud. And so the bondage increases. And then we're here singing all these songs, saying all these words, but lacking the reality. Our heads are full of theology, but little reality. We just want to talk the talk, but we're not living and walking the walk. I don't want to just hear a nice sermon. I want to be the sermon. I just want to preach a message. I want to be the message. Are you hearing me today? God came to set us free. Jesus came to set you free. And in that freedom, you're called to be a warrior in the spirit. A woman, a man of prayer, a boy of prayer, a girl of prayer. It's not just for some random people out there. It is for you. And I'm living proof of it. I was speaking at a leaders meeting recently, and I said, look, I didn't start out enjoying prayer. I didn't always, in fact, I'm shocked that I'm doing this right now. I remember being in a meeting once. Again, I was prophesying over people. I was standing next to my friends. We were musicians. I'm a musician. And he prophesied over them. You're going to be a worship leader. This one, oh, you're going to write songs and blah, blah, blah. So he was coming to me, and I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. It's going to be a prophecy about worship. And he said, oh, you're going to be a preacher. And inside, I was like, Lord, why would you do this to me? <laughs> why? There was such a disappointment. I'm, I'm saying that to say I did not plan to do this. I did not enjoy prayer. But again, remember what I said. When you encounter the fire of God, everything changes. The reason why maybe you're bored in your life right now is because you've not encountered His fire. The reason why you're jealous of somebody else is because you have not encountered His fire to the degree that you see who He's called you to be. Because the moment you see that, forget about jealousy. You would not want to be anybody else but you. Some of you are hating your life. But that's because you've not seen from the right perspective. 
and his fire brings some order into your vision. Do you understand with me? God is wanting you to be part of the church of constant prayer, the church of intensity and devotion, the church that has a strong stamina in the spirit, the church that has power with God. Not just the power of God. That's amazing. One more of the power of God. But power with God. We are deep in our relationship with him and we can shift atmospheres. And when we wake up in the morning and begin to pray, the demons are like, oh no, they've woken up. Because we bring fear to the camp of the enemy. Are you hearing me today? I know from speaking a message like this, there are people here the Lord is convicting your heart right now. I'm going to have a couple responses. The first one is going to be a combination of two groups of people. One, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. In a way where you're like, Jesus, look, this life I'm living, I'm surrendering it to you, and I'm declaring you my Lord. That means I live your way. I turn away from sin. I turn away from my ideas. I want your ideas. You created me, so Jesus, I want you. You've never done that before. I'm going to invite you to come forward. And some of you are here today. You've done that before, but you're not living the life because you're just, I mean, maybe disappointment, hurts, temptation, sin, whatever it is, has come in, and you in a place of we would call it a backslidden state. You're not where you used to be. You stopped going to church. You stopped connecting with Christians. Maybe some, someone said something to you at church that really hurt your feelings and like, forget all that stuff. And you find yourself here today. But you know you are not where God's called you to be. And you're in a backslidden state. This is what we're going to do. Everyone look at me. I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. Because what we're going to do, we're going to celebrate people as they come forward. Are you hearing me? Because I want you to know that it's a bold thing, it's an exciting thing to surrender your life to Jesus. So if you're here right now and you fit any of those two categories, you want to surrender your life to Jesus, you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, this is the best place to do it in a prayer meeting. So I want to, we're going to put our hands together, I want to invite you right now to just begin to come forward. Because we want to thank God for what He's going to do and what he's doing in you. Thank you. Thank you. Just come forward, yes. Come on, keep, keep putting your hands We're celebrating this, yes. Yes. Come on, come on. This is a big deal. Come on, we're celebrating because this is significant. Keep coming. Anyone left, keep coming. We're going to pray over you today. It marks a turning point. A turning point starts right here. Yeah, this is good. Yeah. Thank you. Just come. Keep coming. Keep clapping. We're welcoming you to a place of transition, a place of order where there's been disorder. Yeah. Now you can stop clapping. Do you want to just stretch your hands towards them? And I want you to begin to just pray right now. And um, ministry team, it would be great to have some of you just come and stand with them and just pray. Thank you for tuning in to Prayerstorm Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's edition. For more information and teaching, and if you'd like to get connected, please visit www.prayerstorm.org.